Are the midterm election results causing you anxiety? So there was no red wave. Well, now what? Politics isn't the answer. Never has been, never will be. It's all in your perspective. We'll provide some relief for your post-election worries on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me at this edition of End of the Age. And I'm going to come at this uh, post-election anxiety from a, a different angle than you're probably expecting. When we started on the radio in 1998, our program was called Politics and Religion. The two things you're not supposed to talk about, right? But... In the show opening, Irvin Baxter would say, Politics is Satan's method of ruling the world. The church is God's method of ruling the world. I think it's time we talk about it. And of course, we've been doing that for almost 35 years. Next year, we'll celebrate 35 years on the radio. And so, or is that, no, I guess that would be 25 years on the radio. So, I wanted to come at you today from a, when we're looking at politics and the religious side, because we're always going to come at something from a prophetic religious perspective here. Politics is not the answer. Again, never has been, never will be. If you rely on the outcome of an election to determine your mental highs and lows, then you're going to be frustrated from here on. You're never going to get fully what you want in an election. And whether it's stolen or whether there was a, 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 the election was, you know, um, was upright and fair, you never really get everything you want, right? So I understand the concern because as I was preparing for today's show, we still don't know who will control the House, who will control the Senate. And we also didn't see the red wave that most expected to see. And, you know, I'm looking, just like you are, I'm looking at the economy, immigration, abortion, guns, crime, education, just like everybody is. And and I love America. And I'm watching some folks trying to destroy this nation. And, like everyone else, I'm concerned. However... That mindset um, that I, that, you know, what kind of mindset should I have as a Christian? I mean, as Christians, we do not let the circumstances of this world dictate our happiness, our focus on the most important things, or our relationship with God. And I told you that I was going to come at this from a completely different angle than what you are expecting. 
So in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So this means that if I'm a Christian, I'm serving God to the best of my ability and putting Him first in my life, then everything doesn't say almost everything, doesn't say 98.9%. It says everything is working together for my good. Even if we didn't get the election results that we were expecting or that we wanted, yes. Even if the election results didn't turn out the way we wanted, the Bible still says that things, everything's working together for my good. If I'm a Christian, I'm born again, serving God, doing His will, called according to His purpose. Everything's working out for my good. You say, well, man, I am going through a situation right now. I don't know how it could turn out for my good. The thing is, again, it's all in your perspective. I will tell you that there have been many times throughout my life and throughout my life here at the ministry, my ministry part here at End Time Ministries, where things didn't look like it was going to turn out so good. On the outside, it looked bad. But it ended, I ended up seeing the hand of God before it was over with. When we, had, when we uh, bought this building, we needed a roof and we needed air conditioning units. And what happened? We had a giant hailstorm come through, destroyed our roof, destroyed the AC units. We had water coming in the building, and I thought, man, this is, what in the world's going on? We're trying to serve God. We're trying to build the kingdom of God. And I was looking at it through a physical mindset, not through the eyes, the spiritual eyes of God. And what God was doing is He was supplying us a roof and air conditioning units, but we had to go through the hailstorm to get to what God was really trying to do. You understand what I'm saying? When things look bad, it doesn't necessarily mean they are. It may be God just moving in your life. The Bible says all things are working together for my good. So what I want to do, because I know many of you are saying, well, we've got anxiety because of we didn't have this complete red, red wave and take over the government and all this let me try to refocus all of us on the most important things that we absolutely should be focused on. So that's the question, isn't it? If we focus on the right things, then it completely changes our mindset and it can take a lot of that anxiety away. What should we be focused on? Well, the Bible tells us to be focused on the kingdom of God. Matthew 6 Verse 33 and 34. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For, the, for tomorrow, that's going to take the thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I've got to focus on the kingdom of God and what the future holds. And that can relieve us of anxiety. Because... Anxiety is the mind and body's reaction to stressful, dangerous, and unfamiliar situations. It's kind of what we're looking at in the 
midterms, right? But however, if I can get you focused on what we know is coming scripturally, it can help relieve you of your worries because you have something tangible. You say, well, I can't really see that. Listen, it's scriptural. If it's scriptural, then it's tangible. We know it's going to happen beyond a shadow of a doubt. So it's something that I can latch on to, and I know that if I can stay focused on the right things, it'll keep me, it'll keep my mind right going throughout the end time. So that's what we're going to discuss after the break is the kingdom of God and the government that we're looking to come in the future, not the existing one. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. There is a government about to be established on the earth that will be perfect in every way. Imagine that. Imagine a government with no lies, no agendas, and no propaganda. Well, the Bible calls this future government the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus, you say, well, what what should keep me focused on this? Well, this is what Jesus and the apostles were focused on while they were on the earth. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, the Bible says, And he, Jesus, said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for therefore am I sent. This was Jesus' message when he was here on the earth, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then in Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 2, The Bible says, Then He called His twelve disciples together. He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. 
And then He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So, that was the message of Jesus when He was here on the earth. That was the message of the apostles. And that's what they kept focused on. They were not uh, in depression and, and because of the Roman government which ruled the entire world or that there were Roman soldiers right there in Jerusalem because they knew what was coming, the kingdom of God. And I'm preparing myself and those that I can get to, go, to listen to me and that will believe I'm preparing them for that kingdom of God as well. How would Jesus and the apostles have reacted to, let's say, the midterm election results? They would have reacted by staying focused on the kingdom of God, on the task at hand, the most important thing. Because there will come a time when our existing governments, uh, local, national, international, world government, they're going to be done away with. The Bible says at the time of the seventh trump, when the Lord comes back, the governments of this world, the kingdoms of this world, will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. So that's what we should be focused on right now is, yes, we are concerned, we do vote, we, are, we participate in the government, but that's not my main focus. So whether it goes up or down, I'm not relying upon the government. I'm looking for the kingdom that's coming. And that's what I'm preparing for. In 2 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul said, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice suffered shipwrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. I mean, the Apostle Paul went through it with it in his life, right? Even after his conversion to true Christianity, once his conversion experience on the road to uh, Damascus, when he was struck down by a bright light from heaven, and post that he suffered all these things. You say, well, hold on, he was a true Christian at that point. That's true. But things, trials, tribulations happen to true Christians. You understand? Sometimes we'll go through things in this life that you can't explain, but it's just something you have to go through, possibly to make you stronger as a Christian, to build your faith. You're going to go through some trying times. The Apostle Paul did. But did he let it shake him? Absolutely not. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, right there at the very end, he said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Before, and here, right here at the very end, after all this, Paul says, 
for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only to me, but all of them also that love His appearing. After all that, the Apostle Paul, everything he'd been through in his life, all the trials, tribulations, he said, you know what? I'm ready to go. I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there is a crown laid up for me. And listen to me, everybody. I know a lot of times that life and inflation and food prices and all these different things tend to weigh some people down. But if you get your mind focused on what's coming, then it can help relieve you of that anxiety because you realize that this old life is but a vapor and then it's gone. And what's the most important thing I've got to focus on? The coming kingdom of God. And how do I prepare for that? It's of utmost importance. It's, it's the most important thing in your life. The apostles... Jesus, they were focused on the things to come, the kingdom of God. That was their message. Remember, Jesus and the apostles, I'm teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Look, it's all throughout the New Testament. And most people, even Christians, do not really understand what the kingdom of God is. And we want to answer that question today. What what is the kingdom of God? What do we have to do to be included in that? Because if you don't understand what the, what the kingdom of God is, then you're stuck. A, a lot of people just think about, well, heaven someday and I'm preparing for that. Yes, we are. But there also is coming a time when the Lord comes back at His second coming, He will establish a kingdom here on the earth. And we're going to go through that then the great white throne of judgment, then we'll offer, we're enter into our eternal existence with the Lord. So we've got to prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ now. That's the most important thing. And that's the government that I'm looking to. Zechariah 14 um, is devoted to the battle of Armageddon. When Jesus will come to the earth to fight against the invading armies of the world governmental system uh, under the Antichrist. And it's at that time that Jesus will establish His kingdom. Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there will be one Lord and His name one. So the Lord's going to come back and be king over all the earth. Oh, can't you wait for that day? Daniel 2.44 explains when, um, this kingdom of God further. Um, when it says, and in the days of these kings, the, the final ten-horn kingdom, this uh, Holy Roman Empire revived, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all the other kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Wherever you're at on the earth, I know we got people listening to us all over the world, wherever you're at, the kingdom that you're living under, whether it's a government or a king or a despot, whatever, the government that you're living under right now, that's going to go away someday. And the kingdom of God will reign forever. 
And so that's the kingdom that we're looking for. Revelation eleven fifteen says this concerning the kingdom of God. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever. That's the kingdom that we're building. When we say we're building the kingdom of God, we're ambassadors of the kingdom of, of Jesus Christ on the earth, building His kingdom. That's the kingdom we're building. We're preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, just like Jesus did, just like the apostles did. And any true man of God or woman of God on the earth today who stands in a pulpit that teaches a Bible study, teaches a Sunday school class, anybody, they're going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. But sometimes we get our mind wrapped up around things on this earth. And I understand the concern for different things. I don't like inflation and high gas prices and high food prices and and some of the corruption that's going on in Washington, D.C. But that's going to happen all the way to the end. Can't pay any attention to, I can't let physical human governments, elections, all these different things determine my mindset as a Christian. Whether I'm happy, sad, whether I go into depression, no. I'm concerned about the coming kingdom of God. That's number one. The kingdom of God will be when Jesus returns to the earth and establishes His kingdom. You say, well, I I really don't understand, Dave. What's the kingdom of God? And, well, another question, what's the gospel of the kingdom? Anyone who has ever been sent by God to preach has been sent to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Now, again, we know what the kingdom of God is when He establishes His kingdom here on the earth for a thousand years. But how do we preach the gospel of the kingdom, right? Can you answer that question really quick? How do I preach the gospel of the kingdom? Matthew 3, 1 uh, and 2 uh, talks about John the Baptist. It says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, what's the kingdom of heaven? Luke refers to the kingdom of of God, but Matthew refers to the kingdom of heaven. The two really, they're synonymous terms. John the Baptist preached the gospel of the kingdom. In Matthew 4, verse 23, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. It says, um, And Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. So what did they preach when they preached the gospel of the kingdom. Well, when Jesus sent His disciples to preach, He explicitly told them, you preach the gospel of the kingdom. Don't just preach the kingdom of God, where God's coming back to establish His kingdom here on the earth. I want you to preach the gospel of the kingdom. So in Luke 9-2, again it says, And He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And they preached, it was just naturally, they preached the gospel of the kingdom. So when we preach the gospel of the kingdom and we tell people about the kingdom that Jesus is going to establish on the earth, we explain what people must do to be included in the kingdom of God. In John 1, or I'm sorry, uh, John 3, 1 through 5. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God to a man named Nicodemus, a religious ruler in Israel at the time. In John 3, 1-5, it says, 
there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that there are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these things, or these, I should say, these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Well, Jesus looked at him and he said, Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man's born again, he can't enter to see the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God here. And Nicodemus looked back at him and he said, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> born again? It's the first time we ever hear that. How can a man be born again? Uh, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, Oh, no, Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man's born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus, he's just scratching his head. He'd never heard about this before. This plan of salvation had never been offered yet. It's not going to be offered until Acts 2. Well, Jesus answered, uh, his, it was pretty straightforward, wasn't it? And it is the first time we are introduced to the term born again, and Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth, not a natural birth. And he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, for a conclusive explanation of the born again plan of salvation, you can call 1-800-363-8463 and ask for the free brochure, what do you mean born again? Or visit endtime.com. In the search field, type in what do you mean born again? And it will come up for you. But it's, at, it's when we are born again that we become a part of the kingdom of God. Okay? Just what Nicodemus, just what Jesus told Nicodemus. Uh, in uh, John 3, I think it's verse 7, Jesus said, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. He didn't say, you ought to think about being born again. Or, eh, consider someday being born again. He said, Nicodemus except a man is born again, can enter or see the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. So the end of the age of human government and the beginning of the kingdom of God occurs again at the Battle of Armageddon. The most detailed account of the Battle of Armageddon is found in Revelation 16, 12 through 16. And... So let's start. Let's do uh, verse 12 through 14 to begin with. The Bible says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the the great river Euphrates. The water was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, the antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These are going to give demonic messages getting the nations of the world to come down against Israel to battle. We're going to see this as we go along. And so we'll come back and get more into it after the break. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Now, right here in Revelation 16, going through verses 12 through 14, the Bible says, The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up to make way for the kings of the east, that they might be prepared. And I saw, again, three spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of his partner, the false prophet, the leader of the world religion at that time. For these are spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth into the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the great battle of that great day of God Almighty. And the Bible says, so what we're doing, this is, uh, what this is explaining here, this passage explains two things that's going to happen. First, the great river Euphrates will be dried up with the sixth vial when that's poured out. And this is going to facilitate the invasion of, of Israel by the kings from the east. The Euphrates River uh, drying up is going to be the fulfillment of a significant prophecy because it, that's the principal water source of the Middle East. I mean, you can only imagine. Now, there are a lot of people reporting that it's drying up now, but it will not be completely dried up until this event happens when the sixth vial is poured out. The second thing that this passage explains here is that there will be three spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And these spirits are the spirits of devils drawing the kings of the earth. They've been deceived and they're with a, a deceptive message. They're going to come down against Israel for the battle of Armageddon. Revelation 16, 15 says, And right after this, behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So God's coming to make sure, you've got to make sure you're ready. Don't be careless. Don't be asleep at this critical time. And you say, well, if that's going to happen, the, the battle of Armageddon's a ways off. I've got a little time here. No, because there's not one person under the sound of my voice that has a promise of tomorrow. Okay? You say, now nah, you're trying to scare me. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you, the facts are, and the statistics say, that there will be people that pass away tomorrow, even here in Dallas. 
I looked at the, I had to do a, a uh, I was writing something or putting a radio program together here a while back, and I went through the obituaries in the Dallas Morning News, and there were like, I think, 50 or 60 people in the Dallas Morning News that had passed away. And, I mean, it's just over and over and over, folks. That's just in one city in the United States. Okay? So, you got to the Bible says today is, this is the day of salvation. So you don't want to put that off. Well, Revelation 16, 16 says, and he carried them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. The word Armageddon comes from two words, Har Megiddo or Hill of Megiddo. And I've been, I was just there the other day, the city of Megiddo, that's on a hill that kind of overlooks the plain of Megiddo, which is known, also known as the Valley of Jezreel. Valley of Jezreel, the, the plain of Megiddo. It's about, oh, seven miles wide, 15 miles long, as flat as this desktop. And it's where the Battle of Armageddon is going to begin. But that battle is going to finish about 160 miles south down the Jordan Valley up into the gates of Jerusalem. The, at that point, the Jews, they're going to be fighting the world-governing armies. They will have retreated back there. It's in, going to culminate in the Kidron Valley. And at that point, the Jews are going to teeter on the brink of defeat. The battle is going to begin in northern Israel. Israel is going to fall back down to the, the Jordan Valley before the superior firepower of the international community. And we don't know how this kind of an army force uh, is going to be structured. Uh, the armies of NATO. But we know it will be a mighty force that will fight against Israel. And this force will push Israel to the gates of Jerusalem. And when the Israeli army faces her last stand, they will call upon the Lord for help. Zechariah 14, 3-4 says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when they fought in the day of battle. And His feet will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a great valley and half of the mountain will move towards the north and half of it towards the south. You say, what are we doing? I'm refocusing you on what's coming and what's most important that you should be thinking about. You say, well, that's a few years off. I understand. But the kingdom of God occurs at this point and you should be getting yourself ready and your friends, family, and your sphere of influence. And we're, we're being focused just like Jesus was and just like the apostles... The apostles were focused on this 2,000 years ago. You say, well, they were wasting their time. No, they weren't. They were establishing the church that true, true Christians today are a part of. When you're teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, you are never wasting your time. You're preparing people for that soon coming because you don't know if the person in your Bible study or your Sunday school class or your church or the person on your job or the person that you eat lunch with that they might meet the Lord tomorrow morning. So we're supposed to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God to the entire world today. We're doing the best job we can to prepare people for the soon coming kingdom. There's coming a time when the kingdoms of this world, the governments of this world, they're going to be done away with. No more lying and cheating and stealing and propaganda and agendas. That's going to be done. There's coming a kingdom that you have to be a part of. 
And that's what we're focused on as true Christians. Now, the Bible says there's going to be a great earthquake that's going to kill 7,000 people when the Lord comes back. It's in Jerusalem. And the Jews expect their... They they understand the prophecies of the Messiah that He's going to come to the Mount of Olives in Zechariah. In the middle of their fighting, the, the soldiers of all the armies, they're going to see Jesus Christ descend from the heavens onto the Mount of Olives with His armies behind Him. And the Jewish people, they're going to fall down to worship Him. As, and, but one of them, or maybe more, will say, hold on a minute, they're going to look at His hands and they're going to notice the nail scars. Zechariah 13, 6 says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? And Jesus is going to say, These are those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And oh, suddenly, the Jewish people are going to be overcome. They're going to overcome 2,000 years of spiritual blindness. And when they realize that, yes, Jesus was in fact the Messiah. Zechariah 12.10 says, And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So the Bible says the Jews, they're going to weep because of their rejection of the Messiah. And that's going to be the beginning of the millennial reign, the 1,000 years of peace on the earth. Uh, Daniel 7, 9 says, I beheld until the thrones were cast down. These these, uh, governments, the government of the United States, it's going to be done away with. Daniel said, I beheld till these thrones, these governments were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. The thrones of these human governments... They're going to be put aside. All governments will be suspended and Jesus will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. Down in uh, Daniel verse seven twenty seven, the Bible says, "...in the kingdom and dominion and greatness, and king, a greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him." The kingdom will be given to the saints, the born-again people who have been raptured to meet the Lord in the air. And the saints will rule and reign as kings and priests with Jesus Christ. In um, Revelation 5.10, it says that the redeemed will rejoice and say, Thou hast redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign where? On the earth. And the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. So what we're doing now, we are in training to reign as kings and priests on the earth in that kingdom. And, you know, who knows? But what Irvin Baxter may be the president of the United States at that point. You never know. Wouldn't that be awesome? So we're in training to reign right now. If you're a true Christian, it's what being a Christian is all about. I don't let an election result determine my mindset and 
get me, oh, I'm on a high, oh, I'm on a low, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm ecstatic. Because I'm looking for a government, a kingdom that's coming. I'm not looking for answers for ours. I do vote. I, I love America. I'm a patriot. I want to see America be successful. But my ultimate goal is the kingdom that's coming as a Christian. And we are taught to love those who hate us and to do good to those that despitefully use us. These are the principles that will rule the world during that 1,000 years of peace, the 1,000-year millennial reign. Well, no wonder it's going to be a time of peace and earth and goodwill towards men. Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and His name one. God will not be called by many different names. He's not going to be called um, Brahma, Allah, Jehovah, all these different names. There's going to be one Lord. His name will be one Lord. Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. The Bible says, All you do in word or, do, word or deed... Do in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, you're probably wondering, what, what, what's going to happen to Israel at this time? Well, in Romans eleven twenty five and 26, it says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. For blindness in part hath happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Then what's going to happen? The Bible says, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. All of Israel who survives the great tribulation, the wrath of God at the battle of Armageddon will then be saved. Those who survive to the end will be saved to live into the millennial reign under the rulership of Jesus Christ and His church. Those that have been raptured. Matthew 19, 27 through 28 says, uh, Then Peter um, said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all, and to follow you, Jesus. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So, wow, I mean, won't that be a wonderful sight to see the apostles sitting on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel during the millennium. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 through 3 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above his hills, above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. Many people are going to say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law the word of Lord from Jerusalem I've been part of the end time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents Irvin and Judy Baxter began the ministry from the recliner in our living room my name is Jana Robbins I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, everyone, though we can't say there will be a literal house of the Lord or a literal temple at that time, we do know the Bible teaches that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost and that God no longer dwells in temples made with hands. And we also know the church is called the New Jerusalem. Isaiah 2, 4 says, And he shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plow into uh, plowshares, shears, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And they will take all their implements of war and use them for other productive purposes. And they will no longer learn war. There's going to be no uh, military. There will be no need because there's going to be peace on the earth. Isaiah eleven six says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child will lead them. So even animals are no longer going to kill each other. Isaiah eleven seven, And the cow and the bear shall feed, and the young ones will lie down together. The lion is going to eat straw like the ox. So lions are no longer going to eat um, deer and rabbits, and, and no one's going to be running for his or her life in fear. And then verse 8 says, And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp which is a very poisonous snake. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. So instead of being filled with fear concerning these things, there's going to be safety, security, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Isaiah eleven nine through 10 says, There shall not hurt nor destroy in any of my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in, the, in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. And to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. So the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And that is his nature. And we will love our enemies, do good to those that despitefully use us. These principles will rule the entire world in the coming kingdom of God. The earth is going to be at rest. No more turmoil, no more riots, no more strife. The Bible says God's rest will be glorious. Well, I mean, the next question, who gets to populate the earth during the kingdom of God, right? Well, Daniel 7.11 says, I beheld even till the beast the, uh, was slain, the, his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. That's the Antichrist. But concerning the rest of the beast, these nations, they had their dominion taken away. Those that were not destroyed in the battle of Armageddon. But they had their dominion taken away, <clears throat> no more having a government, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time into the millennial reign. There will be mortals that live into the millennial reign. Remember the beast back in Daniel 7. They represent nations. So 
Great Britain, the United States, one-sixth of Russia, uh, and uh, uh, because the Bible says in Ezekiel 39, five-sixths will be destroyed. And the other nations represented uh, that there will be many that live into the millennial reign. Um, and, you know, when, when Ezekiel 39 talks about five-sixths of Russia is going to be destroyed, we don't know if that refers to the five-sixths of the Russian army uh, that that participated in the Battle of Armageddon or the entire nation of Russia. Don't know that for sure. But Russia's penalty for leading the charge against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon will be the loss of five-sixths of her entity. Think about that. And there is the possibility that the children on earth at that time will not be held uh, responsible for the decisions of their parents. And, you know, remember there's an old example in the Old Testament when Israel refused to, to go into the promised land because of their uh, unbelief, all those people back there below the age of, from 19 years old and down, they were not held responsible for the decisions of their parents. And they were allowed to go into the promised land. But everybody that was 19 years old and up, they had to die off out in the wilderness. They were not allowed to go in because of their unbelief, their murmuring, complaining. So it may be all, again, it's possible, we're speculating here, but it it is very possible that those under the age of 20 would be allowed to enter into the millennial reign. There are actually almost 2 billion people on the earth right now uh, um, under the age of 20, and so there are plenty of people that would be left to populate the earth during the millennial reign. Now, the Bible says the lifespans will be elongated back to the way they were in the beginning of time. Isaiah 65, 20 says, uh, For the child shall die a hundred years old. And Methuselah, you remember he lived to be, man, what was it, 969 years, I think. And Adam lived to be almost 900. Um, So the Bible teaches that Satan is going to be bound for at the, at the entire thousand years. So there will be people that live almost the entire 1,000-year millennial reign. I know that sounds crazy, but that's scriptural. Oh, that guy, uh, that person died. How old were they? 100 years. Oh, he was just a child. That's what the Bible says. So Satan's going to be bound during that time. Most people now serve Satan because he's the God of this age. But when he's bound the majority of people on earth instead will serve God. It's going to be reversed. And the millennium is going to be a wonderful time. And, you know, what's going to happen after the thousand years of peace? Well, Revelation 27 through 8 says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan's going to be loosed out of his prison, go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, again, Russia's going to be involved. I can't even, some things I just can't explain, folks. And he's going to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sands of the sea. So when Satan's loosed, he's going to begin to spread deceit in the earth. And he, even after this 1,000 years of peace, he's going to be able once again to deceive the nations, Gog and Magog, specifically referring to Russia. The Bible says Satan will influence the nations to come against Jesus Christ uh, at Jerusalem, and of course at that time there's not going to be a war because God simply consumes them with a fire from heaven, right? 
But why would God release Satan to deceive the nations again? Can you explain that one? Well, the only thing I can think of is that before God culminates the events of the end, He wants those who live during the millennium to have free choice between Him and Satan. When God takes people into eternity and eternal life, He is going to make sure that they have chosen of their own free will to follow Him. He's not going to force anybody to follow Him. That's not the way God operates. He said in in the Old Testament, it says, I I set before you life and death, choose life. It's it's your choice. And if it was up to God, the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish. But God's will is not being done on the earth today, is it? In, In many places. Because the majority of people on the earth do not serve God. And so uh, Revelation 20, verse 9 says, And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compat- these armies that Satan deceived come, went um, up on the breadth of the earth. They compassed about around the saints and the beloved city. They're in Jerusalem, but there's no war. The Bible says, Fire came down from heaven and consumed them all. Then in verse 10, I'm in Revelation 20, verse 10, the Bible says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire uh, and brimstone, where a thousand years earlier, the beast and the false prophet, they're already there. That happened at the time of the second coming. And Satan's going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. The Antichrist, the false prophet, they're going to be cast in the lake of fire um, before the millennial reign. And then after the thousand years, Satan's going to be loosed. And then he's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And, th- and then Revelation 20, verse 11 and 12. And this is where, I'm telling you folks, this is what everybody on the planet, if you don't go in the rapture, everybody's going to stand here. Okay? You say, well, I don't really know, Dave, if this is so important. This is the most important. There's nothing more important than this. You're either going to make it in the rapture or you're going to stand before God at the great white throne of judgment. That's it. This is where we're all headed. And so what we want to do here at End Time Ministries is take the anxiety out of some of these teachings Say, okay, I got to prepare myself. I got to get myself ready today. Uh, it's very, very important. Uh, in Revelation 20, verse 11 and 12, John said, and you understand that God knows the end from the beginning, and he went back and told the writers of the Bible what's going to happen. There is not any percent chance that this won't happen. This is going to happen as sure as I'm sitting here at a desk talking to you today. John said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon him whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, but there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, um, stand before God, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book of life, uh, in those books, according to their works. All people, not in the rapture, who do not already have eternal life, will stand before the great white throne judgment. They will be judged according to their works. The Bible says that. God will determine the eternal destination of all people. And then, of course, Revelation 20, verse 13 and 15, And the sea and the dead gave up them which were in them. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to the works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and this is very, very important. And whosoever was not found 
written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. This is the most important thing that we face moving forward, is the soon coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture, the 1,000-year millennium reign, the kingdom of God here on the earth, and the great white throne judgment. You say, oh man, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the election and different things going on here, and I've got some anxiety. Listen. This too shall pass. The governments of this world are going away. All of the corruption, the backstabbing, the lying, the agendas, the propaganda, all of that is going away. That's not how God functions. There is a new government coming. There is a new kingdom coming. And that's the kingdom I'm concerned about. That's what Jesus was concerned about. That's what the apostles were concerned about. That was their message. And again, every true man or woman of God that was sent to preach, they sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that's what we're preaching today. And it's of utmost importance that I explain to you what's the kingdom of God. The God of heaven is coming back before very long to establish His kingdom here on the earth. Let me show you how to be a part of that kingdom by being born again. Exactly what Nicodemus told or what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3. And so, do I allow an election result to get me on a high or get me on a low or get me just in a state of depression? No, I don't. Because you'd be in a constant state of frustration from here till the Lord comes back if that was the case. What we do is I participate that and I do the best I can then I turn it over to the Lord. And then, but what I'm doing every day that I'm focused on, every single day of my life, is building the soon coming kingdom of God, preparing people for that kingdom that's coming, because I know what's going to happen during that time. That's going to happen no matter what. It's prophesied in the Bible. It's going to happen. And I've got to prepare myself, my family, and all my sphere of influence, just like Jesus was doing just like the apostles did for the soon coming kingdom of God. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.